we, we started our series with a, a workout plan. It was just kind of redo the basics, make sure we do the, the fundamentals correctly. I, I remember all through the years in, in uh, listening to commentators talk about champion NFL teams. Uh, they have special uh, plays. They have, they have 100 years ago or a little bit less, uh, Dallas Cowboys had uh, the flex defense. Anybody remember that? The flex defense. Some of us who were, who were cheering for the right team remember that. And uh, I changed after that, by the way. Uh, didn't intend to, but it was forced upon me. And this year it's really good. Uh, <laughs> um, the thing that they said about those teams, these commentators would say, you know, they've got all this stuff... And, and then one of them would say, but they do the basics well. They block correctly. They tackle correctly. They, they run correctly. The passer does the correct uh, fade and delivery, et cetera, et cetera. Every, all the fundamentals were sound. And on top of that, when they had these special... Uh, athletes that that these professional athletes, these special bodies that these professional athletes are, uh, they became a winning team. So we've got to do the basics. If you're struggling with your devotional life, ask God for the victory. It's in Christ Jesus. Take it and and go to bed earlier the night before if you are an early uh, devotional person and uh, leave off some TV if you do it at the end of the day. Get it done. It's not like, oh, please try. Do it. Hello. Why are we here? What do you... Okay. Etc. cetera. Uh, all of those basics. Then last week we talked about the plan. And I tried my best to draw the line between the grace of God and our faith. I don't think I got it clearly done. But I'm going to keep working on it because that's how things operate. It is by grace you're saved through faith. And so we're going to have to get this down better than I think I explained it last week. And I'll make another run at it this week. We'll see how I do. Uh, please don't grade me on that. I grade myself and I flunked last week. Anyway, um, we come this week to the next step, which is to get a better understanding of, of this whole deal. And I have some things to say to you and to me about our future as a congregation. Now, there are people all over the place who love their church, and they will say, come to our church. <clears throat> we have this incredible music, whatever their music taste is. It could be piano and organ. It could be a full orchestra and a full choir. It could be a band that's a little more subdued than ours or one that's way out on the edge beyond ours. It, you know, it's just according to what they like. You love our music. Come to our church. Or you love our preaching. Our preacher is XYZ. I want this congregation to be heard saying, you should come to our church you will experience the power of God. 
let that soak in a little bit. You should come to our church if you need to experience the penetration of God into your life in a way you've never experienced. Deliverance from this, healing from that. Sign me up for that, okay? I've got a petition. It's right up here, and and newbie is the first name on that. Let's do that. To start this next step, let's look at Jesus in the story just before he was he was crucified the week of his death he was staying out on the Mount of Olives and one morning looked for some food on a fig tree didn't find any cursed it and Mark eleven twenty picks up the story in the morning as they went along they saw the fig tree withered from the roots Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, and he was standing on the Mount of Olives, it's a a big hill, it's a great big loaf-shaped hill. Um, It would be a hill in the Rockies. It's a mountain if you're from the Ozarks. Go, throw yourself into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now, we struggled with that, but Jesus just said it. And so let's don't, let's don't say, well, I can't believe that or whatever. Let's just say, oh, God, uh, here's, here's a place where I can really use some help. I want to understand this, and I want to possess this, because I don't have a better reason to live than to understand your promises and to do them. And that was profound. If you missed that, let me say it again. We need to say to God, I don't have anything better to do than to understand your promises and to release them, to perform them, to to just get them loose in my world. Your promises, God, through me to those that are in trouble. Have you noticed that people around you are in trouble? And... Yes, you have. So let me just go on here. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received and it will be yours. You know that this, under, this, this comes under the will of God. Because the scripture also makes it very clear if you ask according to, to his will, you have it. Implication is if you don't ask according to his will, he's not going to break his will to do your will. So don't put your selfish stuff in here. Okay, I, uh, I won't tell you that story. Somebody, I'll tell you a piece of it. Somebody was, um, years ago, uh, had decided to, to follow this kind of teaching, and um, they, they had a, a study group they called a Bible school, a dozen or so people, and... Uh, the leader of the group decided that she was supposed to marry a well-known faith evangelist. And uh, there's a couple problems with that. He didn't know her and wouldn't have liked her if he'd have known her. And the other problem was he was already married. But they just absolutely declared it. 
they put a curse on his wife to try to kill her. Now, if you've got any sense, you know that God is not into adultery and murder. So don't lose your mind, okay? Use the Scripture. Let the Scripture speak to itself. And what it says here, whatever you ask for in prayer, and we know that that, whatever that is, it has to be the will of God. Believe you receive it, it will be yours. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. I, I, everywhere I turn, I, this forgiveness thing comes up. But uh, I don't want to stop there. I just want us to understand that Jesus said, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you receive it and you will have it. Then I want us to take a look in the fourth chapter of Hebrews In the Old Covenant, and, and then when the Ten Commandments, the Old Covenant was cut under Abram, who then became Abraham, and then the covenant of the Ten Commandments that we call the Mosaic Covenant was cut, and the token of, the, of that covenant, covenant of the Ten Commandments, was the Sabbath. If you kept the Sabbath, you'd probably try to keep the rest of it, because People in, in that part of the world in that era did not take a day off. They couldn't. They just barely could survive working eight days a week, if you will. So to take one out of seven off, they, it was just like, you can't do that and live. You can't do that and survive. But, but God said, do that. And then he blessed the people so that the people who worked only six days up beside the people who worked seven days prospered more than the, the ones who worked all the time. Okay, so that keeping of the Sabbath was a big deal because it was the token of the covenant, okay? We go to the New Testament. The new covenant is cut. God is revealing stuff. You talk about, I'm going to do a new thing, and that's what he was basically talking about in that scripture. Behold, I will do a new thing. There's going to be rivers on the top of the mountains, if you will. I mean, it's just going to be a different world because I'm going to do stuff. And, and he said, when he came along with this, through the, through the writer to Hebrews, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had, a, had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. He's talking about the people, the children of Israel, uh, about the time they received the covenant of the Ten Commandments. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. They did not believe the promise of God. For a long time we've been saying there is nothing more important than knowing and believing the promises of God. Oh, God, help us to believe your promises. Now, that was the Holy Spirit bringing us along to today. The writer continues, now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declared on my oath in anger, they shall, ne they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his work. Now, let me just point out to you that this rest that God was doing was not exhaustion so that if he had created one more star, he would have collapsed. 
That's not the rest. It was finished. He could rest in its completion. Sometimes we have in our to-do lists gotten all those chores done, every one of them. Well, almost, no. Every one of them and still felt some life, some energy. God was not about out of energy when he rested on the seventh day. It was an illustration of what he intended to do in, in pre-introducing, in the early introduction of the idea of rest. He wanted that done, and when, when you won't take a day off, I might be heard to say, so you're better than God. And you know that matches my personality, you, you know me. Because the Lord said, look, it's done, sit down. And if the Lord had plenty of energy, he could have gone for ever. But it was to picture something for us, not only physically, this is a very shallow interpretation, the physical thing and the seven days of, or six days of work and, and rest on the seventh here. But here is the, again in the passage above, he says, verse 5, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. What is this rest? And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day calling it today when a long time later he spoke through David. Almost 500 years later, 490 or so years later, David said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then God would not have spoken later about another day. And here is the key. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Now, let me put this token thing in here. This is where the token of the new covenant comes in. God made the Sabbath under the Ten Commandments, made the the 10% of those commandments, the token of the whole deal. People who would honor the Sabbath would be found trying to honor the rest. Okay? So then in the new covenant, the rest is from resting from our good works to be saved and resting in the finished work of redemption in Christ Jesus. That's the token. The token of our salvation, the token of our life in Christ under the new covenant is resting in the work of Jesus. It's done. Jesus worked. He said the night's coming when no one can work. Work, he said, so he worked. And he died and he rose from the dead and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has been seated. Now, he also now prays for us, but that's another subject. Here's the deal. We must get it through our skulls that our righteousness will never, ever cut it. And the faith that we have that Jesus Christ has finished it all, finished it all according to as far as our sins are concerned, as far as the forgiveness of our sins are concerned, The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. And we are heard to say, and what is it about all? 
that you do not understand all sin. That's the rest. So we are there. Some of us, some of us have gotten it, and we do not look inside too much to make sure we're right with God before we pray. Now, I switched over to a little more sarcasm there. Did you get it? Did you get it? And if you're still struggling with that, you may struggle till Jesus comes. Just keep struggling. Just say, nope, God, I'm not going to trust me. I'm going to trust you. And the next time you start trusting you, say, nope, God, I'm not going to trust me. I'm going to trust you. Just say it until Jesus comes. Because you don't have to be, see, you don't have to be perfect. We want... We, we teach you that you should be like, we should be like Jesus. Hello, are you more like Jesus than you were this time last year? We'll be preached soon. You know, that's a great January sermon. Well, uh, I mean, I don't find a problem with that sermon particularly, except it implies that I am going to get more and more worthy of salvation. Now, we need to be worthy of the calling. We need to be worthy of some stuff, but not of salvation because that implies, not implies, it requires perfection. Because if you have one sin, you're dead. If you have ever committed a sin, please give up on saving yourself. You cannot save yourself. You can pay for that sin. You can die. But you're dead, separated from God, one destination, and it ain't heaven. So, for, you know, give up on perfection to be saved and trust God that he has forgiven all, all, all sins. Okay? Now, that's a step in the direction that we must go. Um. If Joshua, verse 8, let me do again, had given them rest, God would not have spoken about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Every effort. King James says, strive to enter in. It's like wrestle. Do every kind of martial arts move you know, or every kind of street fighting, or every kind of collegial wrestling, or boxing, or kickboxing move you know to enter into not fighting. And, and doesn't that sound a little bit uh, oxymoronic? This is like, this is con contradictory. Well, that's how important it is to get away from striving to enter in on our own righteousness. Because, dear ones, remember this, that there may not be a worse sin than legalism. That's what that sin is, is legalism. I can be good enough to pay for my salvation. Legalism disqualifies the need for and the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. So there may not be a worse sin than that. I, I don't find a scripture that says that's the worst sin, but... You know, it's, only, it's close to the top of the list in my mind. You can, you can surely believe. Don't give in to that sin. You can't earn it. 
Jesus did. He earned it. And the glorious, glorious thing of this is we now can come to this deal where we can enter into the freedom and the, the abundance of what God has done. So let me say it like this. Grace, the grace of God has already provided everything. What do you need from God that he has to get up and do in the heavenlies or come down here on earth and do so you can have it? The only thing he hasn't done about all of this is spread the message. And that's where we come in and fill up in our bodies um, that which is lacking of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. The only thing Jesus didn't do was surround the world with the message. He gave that to us. That's our job. And, uh, you know, some, some people are up to it. When the Pentecostals started uh, 99 years ago last spring, uh, they got organized, at least one bunch of them. When they organized that year, they, they met in the spring and then they met later in the fall. And that year they said, we propose to mount the greatest evangelistic effort the world has ever seen. And this is a few hundred guys that had been kicked out of their denominations, most of them. They were tongues talkers. So they were extra weird. And uh, so that was 99 years ago. You know what? There's almost 70 million of those guys around the world just in that denomination, which happens to be ours. And hundreds of millions of people that are other denominations that are tongue talkers, that are believers because of the Pentecostal message that spread around the world. That, that bunch got the picture. They spread the message. That's what we're about. We must fill up in our bodies that which is lacking of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which was spreading it. How are we going to do it? You say, Pastor, I have witnessed to my family. I have loved on them. I have, I have given them unconditional love. I have gone to them and ministered to them when they had treated me badly. I went, in spite of that, I went over their offense and went in and loved on them and ministered to them and served them. And they're still blockheadedly refusing to follow Jesus. And all of us, perhaps, almost all of us have had that experience. What is going on? Well, let me, let me show you a picture. In 1 Timothy 4, the Spirit says clearly that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry. When you find people making rules like we have in the Christian world where certain people are not supposed to marry, you know that this is following deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Uh, the King James says doctrines of devils. Remember that? Doctrines of devils. Don't be taken in by things like that. They forbid people to marry. Order them to abstain from certain foods. Watch 
it, if it becomes a dietary law, watch it. That may be a demonic doctrine, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Now, all my life, this word of God and prayer thing came out at the table. Oh, God, they might not even thank the Lord for the food. Bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies or sanctify this food to the nourishment. Boy, that sounds holy, doesn't it? To the nourishment of our bodies. There wasn't even a thanksgiving. I have listened when I wasn't doing the praying over the food. I have listened to make sure they thank the Lord for the food. And if they didn't, I did under my breath. Thank you, God. I'm glad to get this. Because a prayer of thanksgiving and the word of God sanctifies the food. Now, if you want to follow special dietary stuff, please be good to your body and do what you think you should do. But don't make it a doctrine whereby you really are not quite up to par if you don't do it this way. If you don't do it this way, you may not feel as well. Some foods are, are e more easily assimilated and so forth than others, it seems. However, um, that, is a, that is a side issue that is, it may be worth following, but be very careful that we keep number one, number one, let us fill up in our body that which is lacking of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. I have the responsibility to believe God's promises totally. All sin is forgiven through Jesus Christ. All diseases are healed through Jesus Christ. All brokenness is healed. In, in the Lord's Supper, the broken bread speaks of wholeness of our physical bodies and of our interpersonal relationship. It really speaks of the wholeness of our souls, the, the, the mind, will, and emotions, and that has to do with our interpersonal relationships. If you can't get along with your wife or your kid or your parent or your sibling or your boss or your employee, there is healing for that. Hallelujah. There is healing for that. And I'm telling you, the, the enemy, and some of, some of you have been up really, really close to this, the enemy sets up stuff to destroy relationships, whether it's marriage or whether it's parent-child, whatever, sets up stuff. It's like they ain't no getting around this one. Yes, there is. Somewhere there is a fountain. And if you can get both parties to drink from that fountain, the war is over. Now, one party drinking from that fountain can bring peace into that side and minimize the damage if the other party never drinks from that fountain. You see, that fountain is already bubbling. It's already going. It's already there. The work is already done. What is it that Jesus has to do when we pray for healing? Oh, God, come and heal. Does that mean he has to come and be beaten? No, Pilate took care of that. Pilate's soldiers took care of that. Most of you probably saw the passion of the Christ. And uh, those of us who have studied that deeply think that maybe they underdid the beating part, which is hard to imagine. 
It was probably worse than what they showed there, but that seems bad enough. I'm, I'm, I'm good with saying, hey, you saw it. It was worse than that, but, but that's a picture of it. Every disease, he heals all your diseases, all your diseases, all the infirmities, and then he deals with wickedness. That's the heart that wants to sin, as well as the acts of sin which come out of that heart. He deals with all of that, both. He forgives the acts. You have not done a sin that God has not already dealt with in the cross of Jesus Christ. He laid on him the iniquity of us all. Wow. Wow. Honey, it's done. You pray for your rebellious kid or or whoever it is that's lost and your heart is broken for them. Jesus does not have to come down and be nailed to the cross again. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's just say it this way. It's all provided. It's all there. That's grace. By grace are you saved through faith. And I said last week, if, it, if the faith were not required, everyone would be saved because everyone was provided for. But it is through the action of faith that this is activated in us. In other words, we reach into the heart of God and bring and apply to us that which is already provided. That's the way it works. Now, let's go to healing because physical healing is something that we really is measurable in the first place, and there's ample opportunity to see this work or not work. And when, when we start teaching like this and talking like this, we immediately start projecting onto people who are sick guilt. If you just had faith, you'd reach in and take that which is yours. And I want to say this here and now today. Stop that. If you're projecting that on others, cut it out. If you're, project, if you're reaching out and just clothing yourself in guilt and you're just, you know, you're fixing to take one of those trips. Stop that. I want this challenge to you and to me. It is to me and it is to you that the word comes, reach in and get that healing and take it and heal them. Did you hear that? That'll deal with this thing about if there's sin in your life, you won't get healed. There is a connection between some sickness and sin. Jesus made that clear. That's true. Uh, it's not real clear what. But let me tell you, everybody that loves the Lord that I know that gets really, really sick, they search their hearts like crazy, far more deeply than you and me if we've not been that sick. And those of you who have been really, really sick would say, yeah, actually, <laughs> you're right. You don't have to say, I know I'm right. So, if you're sick, start praying for somebody else. Start reaching in there to get that healing to give to somebody else because it is our job to reach in there and get that healing that's already been done and bring it to you. Now, when I say reach in there and get that, let it's all out here, right? Did you notice that? No, you didn't. Because that's just the way we've always taught it. Let's take this one step further. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, all the power 
that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Maybe we, ought to, maybe we ought to say that. Repeat after me. All the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Are you sure about that? <laughs> All the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Ah. Ah. What door then? Then you see, I'll build my church, Jesus saying, in the gates of hell. So, you know, that all the power that raised Jesus from the dead, if it's in me, when I come up to the gates of hell, I just say, go away. No? Church, some, this is new to some of you. But the Lord said, I'm going to do a new thing. And what it is, is the old gospel that we have, we have in being kind to each other and being kind to ourselves, we have sort of watered down some of this stuff and just shuffled around and made excuses. Listen, if I get sick and don't get healed, you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be saying, God, I don't know what's going on. I want to be healed, but I'm going to serve you. And if I die... I get to see you. I am not going to take a guilt trip because Jesus died, first of all, to get rid of the guilt business. The first thing he did, which was the cross, I mean, it's not first sequentially in, in chronology, but, but first in importance, the cross. After that comes then the beating as far as importance. And the beating did all of the healing. And I've had surgeries that have been so helpful, and I praise God for that. I'm one of those guys that what medical science could do to really help is sort of, some, you know, sometimes you've done things and you, with medical science and it wasn't that wonderful. And I, I have sort of avoided those, and what, what they've done to me has worked. I had hernias when I was a little kid, and they fixed those, and I was as strong as could be. My knee, I was a cripple. You remember seeing old guys on canes? That's what I should have been. Now, I'm way too proud. I wouldn't even limp. I was about to die. I would stand up here and preach, and every time I put weight on that left knee, it just went right through me. And pride is a wonderful thing. <laughs> just wonderful. Well, they fixed that. It does not hurt. It doesn't even rattle very loudly. It's wonderful. So I'm not here to criticize medical people or medical science or these things. Folks, I'm just talking about what Jesus has provided. What is the grace of God? The grace of God is here, and in us is the power to reach out and get it. It's called faith. And you know, we, we look for ways to believe better, and that's appropriate. Because if I can believe better, I can say, yep, it's done, and here's what I'm going to do with it. So the next time you get with somebody who is injured or sick or has, has family problems or whatever their needs, say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm trying to release out of me into them what, what is already done, what you've already given. I want to give it to them. If I'm not doing this correctly, you show me because in the name of Jesus, be healed. 
And let's just reach out. You say, well, but what if he doesn't do it? What if he doesn't do it? Well, I'll look silly. No more than usual. I mean, you, you go to a Pentecostal church, don't you? You've overcome some of that need to not look silly. You're a tongues talker. Give me a break. You're trying to look cool. Speak in tongues and look cool at the same time. It's not about cool, honey. It's about delivering what God has provided and has invested and deposited in us. Okay, I'm going to stop this this morning. I have to stop sometime. But I want you to go back to verse 4 in, in 1 Timothy 4. Everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. And I want, us to, I want to do this now because this is Thanksgiving week. And Thanksgiving and, and the attitude of gratitude is so very, very important. I've had so much fun, and most preachers do, through the years, preaching on Thanksgiving. And what I love to do is take the titles of country songs and juxtapose them to the promises of God. And that'll get you a laugh. For instance, I like the one especially that says, I get tears in my ears lying on my back crying over you. And my next favorite one is, I miss you so much I'm almost as miserable as when you're here. <laughs> and it's kind of hard to have an attitude of gratitude in that kind of thing. And you know that Country music is your favorite, and if it's not, it's, it's on your okay list. There are very few of us that just out of hand cannot handle country music, and so I'm educated guessing that I'm talking about your music, but I'm also talking about your Savior and your Lord and the power of God in you and what he wants to give to the world around you through you. C.S. Lewis says, we ought to give thanks for all fortune. If it's good, because it is good. If bad, because it works in us patience, humility, contempt of this world, and the hope of our eternal country. George Herbert said, thou hast given so much to me, give me one more thing. A grateful heart. And Francis Frangipan, who lives in Iowa, I've heard in several different occasions, he's a great teacher. Many of you have read his books and heard him in person or, or YouTube and so forth. He says, we have received too much from God to allow ourselves opportunities for unbelief. We have received too many gifts and privileges to allow a grumbling, murmuring heart to disqualify us of our destiny. In contrast, the thankful heart sees the best part of every situation. It sees problems and weaknesses as opportunities, struggles as refining tools, and sinners as saints in progress. It's all done. We have received the deposit. I want you to do something this week. I want to challenge you, <clears throat> and I want us to do this together. 
every time we encounter mentally or are in the circumstances a problem, which would be a sick child, um, some physical need in someone else, some material need, some social need. Um, every time we encounter that, I want us to start praising God that he has already met that in, in the real world where God dwells that's finished and it's our job to reach in and get it and the first step is to begin to be grateful that it's done it's done you, you start praying for your kid I want you to this week I want you to say God I thank you that his salvation is provided that his holiness is provided that his separation to you is provided that his heart of worship to you is provided try to begin to see him in that position receiving all that god has already said is done just do this this is a first step a first step is thanksgiving for what god has done is that clear are you willing to do that I'm going to promise you that I'm going to try to do that. Now, if you fail, say, oops, I forgot and griped. Lord, I'm sorry. And then don't ever mention it again. Don't ever apologize again. Don't ever ask for forgiveness again. God cleanses you. That's provided. Hallelujah. And then just start thanking God. I'm so broke, God. Oops, wait a minute. Lord, I want to thank you that every need I have is provided for in your kingdom. I thank you that there is provision for this that we have at our house or that we don't have at our house. Thank you for the fact that you have provided this. And don't, don't then turn and say, okay, now, Lord, would you please pick? Just thank God for it. Can we do that for a week? This is Thanksgiving. I mean, when you eat too much Thursday and your stomach is hurting, <laughs> Boy, that's a good reason to have a bellyache, you know? That'll be easy to thank God for. Get over the guilt. Get over the guilt. You're really recalcitrant. Man. I mean, here's your chance to praise God. I'm trying to relieve you of guilt, and, and you're insisting on being guilty for, for being a glutton. God knows that. If you need to say it to him, say, God, I'm so sorry I'm a glutton. Now I thank you that I had enough that my stomach hurts. And there's food left and I, I want it and it's, I can't hold it. <laughs> Praise him for that. This is a different deal. Did you ever see the, the word? It's one of the longer words in the English language. It's called quit your belly aching. God help us. Lord, thank you that we are a bunch of belly acres. We just, we just complain and gripe. This week, we set ourselves to praise you and give you thanks. Hallelujah. Now, if you're not walking with the Lord, I want you to know that everything that you need is provided in Christ Jesus. If you didn't get that message, let me make it clear. God took all your sins, and those sins will kill you. The soul that sins will die, except that God took those sins and put them into Christ Jesus, who had no sin of his own, so he could die for yours, and God put him to death. 
We blame the Jews. We blame the Romans. We blame ourselves. God really did it. He really sacrificed his own son for you. It's done. Will you please reach out and take that and say, God, I accept that. I give you myself and I bring that home. And I say, it was for me, as undeserving as I am, you knew me in all of my lack of worth in righteousness. You knew me and you still saved me. Now I, I want to make it mine. Do that before this day is over. Do that right now while you sit there. Go ahead and do that. Uh, you don't have to repeat a prayer after me. Talk to God. He's the one that provided that, and he loves you more than I do. I may not even know you. I mean, I have a commitment to you that's called love, but not like the Father. Enjoy it. Now, church, I want us, I want us, to, I want this to be one of those weeks that changes us forever. You've had those in your past. When God spoke to you about something, spoke in your heart, and you have never been the same since. Isn't that special? And I'm asking God to do that in me and in you this week. Thanksgiving week, 2013. If you get all upset about the way the government is or the way the government isn't, start thanking God that provision is absolutely there in him and every need you have is provided. I could talk to you about judgment on America. God put the judgment on America in Jesus Christ. Now, America is trying to self-destruct, and you can kill yourself. But God doesn't have to come and shoot you. We're shooting ourselves. You don't know that, do you? Do you believe that? Or is God going to come? You're mad, so you want God to come and judge. Honey, you're going to get in on that. That's not going to be funny. Jesus took it all. See, this is a new thing. Jesus took the judgment. You say, well, what about, what about Germany? Germany killed itself. Killed itself. Threw away all of, their, all of their values and all of the stuff that would make them great and tried to take over the world. It's not going to happen. The biggest thing they did, of course, was try to destroy the Jewish people. And that will come back on you. You see, this earth has been set up to do this. If, you're, if a nation is wicked, it just kind of vomits out the people. And that's the way God made the earth. He doesn't have to come and do anything. If we're wicked, he comes. He doesn't come. He, he comes and tries to rescue us and tries to get us to turn. Now, I shouldn't have brought that up because I need to clarify that. You need, you need to go ahead and do what we're planning to do this week. Thank God for it. Thank God for his provision in it. If you think the country's bad, if you don't like Obamacare, or you think it's the greatest thing that ever happened and all of these, uh, 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 all of these people who oppose it are, are crazy, thank God either way. Let your heart be full of gratitude. Anybody up for that? Would you just stand? If you're up for that, just stand on your feet. This, this is going to be a week that will test us. It's going to be like fasting negative stuff. No negative stuff allowed through your brain. No negative stuff allowed through your brain. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> you have no idea how much power is standing here. You don't know. I don't know. I think it's larger than you think it, but I don't have a clue. Give yourself to the Lord. Just in your own way. Just give yourself to the Lord. Lord, here I am. There are things that I love to gripe about.